Welcome to this episode of Life in the Den. This week, we're going to talk about why you cannot be a disciple of Jesus without having accountability in your life. So as we move to talk about accountability, it's first important to remember that how we live our lives matter. If we're going to have a discussion about, hey, we need people to keep us on goal, we have to recognize that there's a goal. That one day we will stand in front of God and give an account of everything that we have done and that which we have not done. Christ could come back at any moment, any time. And we're supposed to live in a manner where we are always ready to give an account of our actions. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So how do we wrestle with this reality? If you're anything like me, you are striving on a regular basis to pursue God and be more like Christ. However, for the longest time, I found that I could just not succeed in cutting bad habits out of my life. I would try over and over and over again. I would just fail. My sin sat on my shoulders like I just picture Atlas the Greek Titan that was responsible for holding up the sky, just that pressure and that burden beating down on me, and I was just so tired of holding it. And then I found an answer, that the good news of accountability is that you don't have to carry that burden alone. Your brothers and sisters in Christ can come walk that journey with you, but you have to be willing to let them. So as we start this discussion, I can't think of anywhere better to start than in Scripture. You know, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so what we see being said in this passage is that, hey, if you see a brother or sister in Christ struggling, living into sin, that it's our job to come alongside them and help them walk through that. Now, heart matters here because we see it says restore them in a spirit of gentleness that we're not supposed to come with a fist of judgment to bash down the gates and knock our brother and sister in Christ silly but we all called to help them start living with holiness incarnate in them to walk away to repent and move back into the way God's called them to live We also look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, and it says, While Christians are declared righteous before God, we all need to change and grow to become more like Christ. Because all Christians are tempted in various ways. We all need the regular help of one another to avoid the deceitfulness of sin. And so we look at these two passages in Scripture, and the truth that comes out of them is that we cannot do this on our own. That we need the strength of of the community of believers, and that when our brother or sister falls, we are accountable, according to scripture, to go and help them and pick them back up, hit, knock the dust off them lovingly, and help them start walking the path again. The problem is, we often aim to hide our sin because we are ashamed of falling short. We hide in our homes, 
or away from our homes, depending on what's going on. We hide in our rooms and in our offices. We hide in housework, yard work, and garage puttering. We hide behind computers and phones and newspapers and magazines. We hide behind earphones and Netflix and ESPN. We hide behind fashion facades, education facades, career facades, Facebook facades, and pulpit facades. We hide in busyness and procrastination. We hide in outright lies or diversionary conversation. We hide behind our souliness and humor. We hide behind bravado and timidity. We hide in extroversion and introversion. We hide behind half-truths and misdirection. Because we are so afraid so often of letting people see who we really are. I was at a talk with Philip Zimmerman this week, and he kept saying the disciples of Jesus were messed up. And if we're all being honest, we're messed up too. I don't think any one of us listening here does not recognize the fact that we are messed up, that we fall short, that we are not living perfectly in the way that God has called us to live. But when we let sin have that kind of power of us, when we let shame fall on it, and we hide what we're working through with our community, we're denying our brothers and sisters the chance to come walk alongside us and give us their strength and to allow God to move and speak through them. See, when we realize that God's grace is with us, that if we forgive our sins, sorry, that he will forgive our sins, that God is a just God and he'll forgive us, then our sins no longer need to be these secrets that we keep hidden from those around us at all costs. Rather, we see that our community of believers, when we allow them to walk beside us in this journey, become our most powerful tool in battling temptation. Rather than just hiding in the darkness and holding on to the shame of our own struggles, we become accountable to other believers and they help expose us to the light and they help us find the life-giving truth. You know, other Christians can pray for us and support us in our walk with Christ. You guys know that I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer, so of course I'm going to bring him back into this conversation. In his book, Life Together, on page 20, he says, A man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. As long as I am by myself in the confession of my sins, everything remains in the clear. But in the presence of a brother, that sin has to be brought into the light. And that sounds weird, but what it's really saying is that we can hide our sins when they're alone. We don't have to face the reality of them. We can deny them. We can misdirect them. We can, we can continue to disobey God and avoid help. Avoid having to let go of the idols that are holding us into that sin. But when we share it with a brother or sister in Christ, depending on the situation, that sin is no longer secret. But it's out in the light and it can be dealt with. And you can have God work through your community to help you become the obedient believer that he's calling you to be. To live out the kingdom of God in every breath and every step of every day. So I was reading an article this week, and what it says was, Throughout the New Testament, we see the early church meeting together regularly, living their lives in faith in their communities. And unlike today's culture, the first century believers were in a highly religious environment. Faith was not something that lived just in the temple or synagogue. The, educa- the educational system, the laws and practice, the pattern of daily living was saturated in Jewish beliefs. It is a fallacy to assume that early Christians were uneducated in the faith or lacked understanding of New Testament concepts that are spelled out for us today. They were well versed in faith. 
and the accountability to which we so often have difficulty submitting was a part of daily living among brothers and sisters in Christ. They knew that Christians who attempted to walk with God by themselves and who weren't accountable to their Christian brothers and sisters for their words and for their actions and all the other aspects of the Christian walk, they knew that if they weren't in a group of accountability, in a culture of accountability, that they realistically weren't actually following Christ because you can't do it on your own. And I'm not here to deny that we're ultimately accountable to Christ. But it's also true that when we accepted Christ into our lives, when he actually became a part of the kingdom of God, when we were baptized in the waters and came out new, that we became a part of a family and a body and that we could no longer live this individualistic reality that Western culture has called us to. We're no longer able to say, well, I'm just me, myself, and I, but rather God said, I love you so much that I'm going to bring you, and I'm going to pull you, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to put you in a family that you cannot get away of, that is full of people who are on the same path as you, who are here to support you, to build you up, to care for you, to meet your needs, and to be the love of God in your life. And when we try to say we don't need that body, when we try to say we don't need that community, we are looking Christ in the face. We're staring into the eyes of our Savior and saying what you have said is good for us, I don't need. And we know that the challenges will come when we try to live in groups of accountability. It's not easy. It's not always fun. And it's messy. But scripture tells us that having accountability with other Christians helps us to press ahead and to continue to live for Christ. An accountability partner can pray with us, teach us, rebuke us, rejoice with us, weep with us, and encourage us. And we can do the same for others by being mutually accountable. I'm going to confess to you guys today, and this this wasn't in the script, this wasn't in my prep, but I'm going to put it in here and I'm going to leave it in here. This week has been so hard for me. I'm going to confess to you guys, I am recording this right now and I'm exhausted. But what's keeping me going is I know that tomorrow I'm going to get to gather in my church and my community. And I'm not just going to come in front of them as their pastor and as their shepherd, but I'll get to be with them as their brother in Christ. And they'll surround me and they'll love me and they'll pray for me and they will help me to stay on task in following Christ, even when it feels hard. There are so many benefits of living in a community that accountability is a culture in. The first being that sins in our own lives that we can't see can be brought to our attention by those around us who love us. A great example of this is we live in a culture that has really idealized the concept of sex and a culture that has really tore down the beautifulness and the sacredness of marriage and the relationship that was built and is meant for those who have a covenant with God. And it's become a joke. It's become a punchline. Disrespecting women in the way that we make jokes about sex has become a regular thing. Laughing at things that that call us away from being the people of God has become the norm. And I'm going to confess to all of you right now that I am just as guilty of that as anybody else. And I probably didn't realize how bad it was until I got married and I really understood the beautifulness of marriage. But I'm still working on this. 
And I have a community where we've built a thing where if I make a joke or anyone makes a joke that we as a community have recognized is not a way that God is calling us to joke, then we tell each other. The other day I was sitting around with a couple of the people from my church and I made a joke. And I think I might just been like, that's what she said. That's what she said joke or, or just something that wasn't in line with who we feel we're called to be. And they just looked at me and one of them said, hey, we don't joke like that anymore. And I was able to look at them and say, thank you, because that's a sin that was so rampant in my life and it's built into me habitually. But I was able to see what I was doing was wrong because of the honesty and the love of the people in my community. A second thing that living in a community with accountability built into it can do is it honors that God calls us to live in community. That the call to be a follower of Jesus is communal and not simply a call to walk a lonely road of singular piety. And then the third point is that the sins of our lives lose power when we allow others to carry and walk the burden with us. Now, this isn't a grand list of every single benefit that comes in when you live a life and in a culture of accountability, but they're just the three ones I know that have influenced my life the most. I would love for you to send me a message, email me, go to the Facebook page for the pay, for Life in the Den or message me on Facebook, anything really, and just tell me, for those of you who are practicing this, or once you start practicing this, tell me some of the things that you find powerful, some of the things you learn through it. Now, I think if we're all being honest and we're looking at what scripture says and some of the things I've talked about today, we can recognize that we need accountability. But a fair question and one that I wrestle with regularly is how do we approach this in a broken and sinful world? Well, first, I think we have to understand what the point of accountability actually is and that how we understand accountability will greatly affect the result of it. So let me be clear about this. Accountability is not about giving shame and dwelling on past mistakes. It's not about swinging down the hammer of justice on the group of people you meet with. Rather, it's about celebrating the beauty of grace and that through God's forgiveness, we can leave behind the sins and the scars of our week and move forward towards actively living and walking in step with the Spirit in the kingdom of God. So what I'm really saying is that It's not about our actions and our failures, but it's about picking our brothers and sisters up out of the dust and brushing us off and saying, okay, cool, now let's start striving back towards that goal together again. The focus of accountability should not be about what you failed to do, but rather how you can move forward into what God is calling you to do. Shame does not come along with accountability. However, I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying. Living continuously in sin and not striving to be like Christ is not and should not be acceptable in your community. And if it is, you need to talk about it because that is a cheap view of the grace of God. And it's this tricky balance between understanding our actions are not the main thing, but that our actions do reveal the inner desire and hunger of our hearts. Each week we come together to confess that we have fallen short and to ask for help in moving forward. We take an active posture of naming our sin and not passively letting it fester in our lives. Because when it sits in the dark, when it is not brought onto the light, it festers and it becomes more powerful and it slowly battles over us. A book that really highlights this is C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. I wish I had the page number off the top of my head, but basically the premise of this book is that a greater demon is coaching a lesser demon. And what we see is a coaching this lesser demon saying, when you have someone living in sin, 
you don't need to keep stacking on more sins. Rather, let them sit there hiding with their own sin and let it grow and pattern itself into who they are so that they will never escape it. So often, without help, we are stuck in our sin. When it's hidden, the enemy uses that. Now, one of the most common protests I hear when discussing the need for accountability in the Christian community, especially around this concept of confessing sins to one another, is, well, what if people go and gossip about me or share my sins with other people? And to this, I'm going to simply respond, if you're going to start living into accountability, the harsh reality of it all is that you have to open yourself up to being hurt. You have to walk and cultivate a community, and that's going to be messy. I'm going to tell you now, people will break your trust. Sin is a part of the world, but it's about how we move forward and navigate that reality. And it becomes easier when we recognize that our sins have been given over to God. And once we've given that sin over to God, that's not what defines us. Because we're defined as followers of Christ. And when we repent of our sins, there is no shame or giant hammer over your head about that anymore. You repent, you hand it to God, and you turn and walk the other way. I'd also just pull us back to James 5 and remind us that we are called to confess. We are responsible to being obedient to who God has called us to be. And after that, we surrender the outcome to the one who made us. And if you're not remembering exactly what I'm talking about, I'm talking about James chapter 5, verse 16. And what it says is, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, there's some context that goes with this, but the concept and the need is clear. Confessing our sins is powerful, and it's something that we need to practice. So, if you're listening and you want to find something like this in your life, the biggest piece of advice I would give to you is accountability most often doesn't happen by chance. It's by intentional decision-making. You have to choose to humble yourself and submit your life and actions to your brothers and sisters in Christ to open up the door to the desires of your heart and the truth of your mind so that God's grace can flow through your community like a rushing river and help you become the participant in the kingdom of God that the Lord is calling you to be. So all that being said, I want to end today by giving two ways you can plug this into your life right now. One on a communal level, and it's a bit harder to plug something as a community in because you can't do that by yourself. And one on a more intimate and private level. The first being, have your community institute a rule of life. This is basically All of you coming together and agreeing, hey, this is how we believe Christ has called us to live, and we're going to hold one another accountable to these standards. Sounds simple, probably harder in conversation. The second idea comes from John Wesley, and there are two different approaches to this that I'll talk about briefly. The first is you can go through the Holy Club questions with a group of people you trust. I'll drop a link to these questions in the description of the podcast, but these are 21 questions that will challenge you about your walk with God and help you to see where you might need to focus on growing. Answering these questions in a group helps the others to keep you accountable and help you follow up on what you need to work on. The second, more personal and small group oriented way to practice this, I would suggest, is the Wesleyan Bands. And so in that, you get a small group of three to four people together who are the same age, same gender, same marital status. And 
these groups are really about getting together and confessing your struggles, your sins, your temptations. I know it is silly, but really the best way to practice accountability groups is to just start doing them. There's no life hack, no YouTube clip, no soundbite I can give you to say, hey, man, this is all you need to do and it's, it's go. But no, you have, to, you have to start doing them. You have to open yourself up and be willing to share the truth with people. Because the reality is, with the real life, you cannot always control what your larger community does, but you can control your inner community and you can control what you start doing. So don't wait another moment to use this powerful tool that scripture calls us to. Find a community of believers who you can gather with who are striving to be like Christ and go into this relationship of accountability. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Life in the Dim. I hope that you've enjoyed your time with me and that you've gained valuable insights and perspectives to help you in your pursuit of following Christ. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with your friends and family and give us a rating and review. Join us next week as we continue to explore and grow together in our faith. Until then, keep following Jesus, and I'll see you next time.